0: mo do you recall anyone advising you against going there into hollywood in that scene like growing up anyone saying mo you you don't want to go there yes (laughs) bismillah (laughs) rahman rahim welcome to the mo show podcast episode 26 my guest today is a hollywood film producer he's produced 11 movies and counting mashallah He's worked with the likes of Richard Gere, Gary Oldman, and Susan Sarandon. His latest movie called Crisis recently premiered across Saudi Arabia. Please welcome Mr. Mohammed At-Turki. Welcome, Mo.
1: Thank you, that was a nice introduction. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Uh,
0: it took me uh, me a few minutes to work on it, but uh, I just wanted to get the details right. How are you, brother? Thanks for making time for coming on the show.
1: No, thanks for having me, and it's wonderful to see you after all these years. Yeah, probably a decade since the last time we, yep. uh, we had a conversation. A lot has changed. A lot has changed. <laughs> Wife, kid, podcast. Yep, amazing.
0: <laughs> all well? Are you back in Saudi temporarily because of what's happening, or are you in between here and LA?
1: Well, I've been uh, between here and the US and the UK for the past uh, three, four years. Um, but with what's happening in Saudi, with all those positive changes and things that we never imagined, we would have witnessed uh, with Vision 2030, I think it could be a permanent uh, move. Really? Yep. That means could, That means goodbye LA? Uh, I could always visit it. <laughs> yeah. it's, been home, it's been home to you for what now, how many years? Uh, for, since 2010, for almost um, eight years. Oh, wow. And then I moved to New York uh, for a year before um, balancing my time between oh. London, L.A. and Saudi. So
0: I want to start with uh, just a little bit of background, Mo. schooling, upbringing, childhood. Uh, was that all
1: in Saudi and what was it like? So, of course, uh, let's go back to childhood. Uh, so obviously, I was born in Saudi in Shurgia. Um, I went to school in the Haran Hadiyah School um, all my uh, school years until high school. I graduated from Khobar and then I went to college in London. And after college in London, I came back to Saudi before uh, shifting into the film and entertainment world. I worked at a corporate communication department at a corporate Mm -hmm. company. Mm -hmm. Uh, For about six months, I had a nine to five job. Um, Realized my creative ability was trapped and did not see myself continuing in that department. Mm -hmm. What happened next was, I had a chance, um, a friend called me, and uh, she was directing a film in New York City called Imperials Are Still Alive. And uh, when she just told me the story, it drew me to be a part of it. You know, she said it's about a Middle Eastern girl, post 9 um, 11, part of the uh, elite New York society. but. Always paranoid at these parties, at these events, at the airports, that she is profi- like uh, racially profiled of mm-hmm. being an Arab. Uh, if her brother or a family member is coming, they're always uh, taken aside in the U.S. for secondary inspection, or they're randomly checked. So random, yep. every time I go to the airport, I'm like, "Can you can you be pulled on the side?" Yep. I'm like, mean, <laughs> "Muslim, <laughs> exactly." <laughs> I'm sure, many others. Yep. So, um, yeah, the story drew me to be a part of the project, um, jumped on it, went to New York. Uh, the film was official selection Sundance in 2010. Amazing. It won the uh, Warsaw Film Festival and uh, the Asian American Film Festival and also premiered in Deauville in France. <laughs> uh, after that, that thing, when especially like my family are very supportive, but I always have this inside joke with my dad when I told him I want to work on this project, you know, in the back of his head, He thought, oh, come on, go pursue your hobby for a few months. And then you're going to realize Hollywood is cutthroat and difficult. And, you know, you're going to be like, yeah, I did it. That one time I produced a film and I would be back home um, in Saudi, um, being in um, either the banking sector or the oil and gas sector. And that would have been my career.
0: One of those traditional directions. Exactly.
1: But after that film, I met... um, Director Nicholas Jarecki, who is a very good friend of mine. And, um, you know, we were in the Beverly Hills Hotel. I remember this. It was like a scene in a movie. We we're sitting in the polo lounge. And he told me, I just wrote this movie. It's a Bernie uh, Madoff twist uh, about a hedge fund billionaire. And I'm thinking of casting Al Pacino or Richard Gere for the part. And he kept on telling me more about it. And we started developing this film together. And next thing I know, I'm in New York City working with Richard Gere on arbitrage. And then I created a company in L.A. and never went back home. (laughs) What a story,
0: really inspiring. Fantastic, dude.
1: Really happy for you.
0: Um, I wanted to also congratulate you on your recent movie, Crisis. This was extra special for you because... This actually premiered on home soil here in Saudi, you know, in one of our new cinemas in Riyadh. I I saw you uh, at the premiere on your Instagram. Actually, we'll put it up right now Mm -hmm. uh, with your permission. Um, Of
1: course, go ahead. The Vice Minister of Culture, uh, Hamid Fayez, came and supported Mm Um, obviously, with COVID, you know, a lot of people um, sent me messages with support. You know, the Minister of Culture, uh, Prince Badr Farhan, wanted to be there. But, you know, with all the COVID restrictions, he wasn't able to come. But it was great. We had the CEO of the uh, newly formed Saudi Film Commission, Abdullah Hayaf, And we did two screenings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did My first screening was close to home. Uh, we did it in Lahran uh, Mall. In uh, movie cinemas, which you're aware that movies the That's first uh, Saudi, Saudi yeah. fully functional cinema yeah. chain. al Hakeer Group, al Hakeer Group, uh, Sultan Hakeer, who's also a friend, he's running it. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Great facility. concept. <clears throat> uh, they have the they have a beautiful the beautiful like suites, also like the Dolby Theater, the Onyx, yeah. and so on. Yeah. So I had the first screening in a cinema two minutes from the house I grew up in. That's crazy. Which I never imagined would happen in a ten year uh, film career. Yeah. Um, we had the U.S. Uh, consul in Bahrain, uh Nicole, attend, mm-hmm. and a bunch of members from the Saudi Chamber of Commerce, and uh, family members. I had my sister, uh, my father, my mother, and you know, close family friends. It was wonderful to launch it in Saudi and Bahrain. Yeah, and then later on, you know, I went with my brother and my nephew to Riyadh, and we did a premiere with uh, Vox Cinema's Riyadh Front. Mm-hmm. It was great. great. Like, I never thought, I was telling a lot of people this, uh, even my friends in Hollywood, we were joking about it. We were saying, who'd ever thought a film like Crisis does not have any premiere in the world because of COVID, and we do all the press tours and the press launches digitally, and then in Saudi Arabia, you actually have a physical premiere with an audience. <laughs> yes. Who could have wrote that? Huh? Exactly. Impossible. Impossible. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like a twist turn or something.
0: <laughs> wow, man. I love how it came full circle. I had a question that I was going to leave to the end, but I'm going to ask it to you now because mm-hmm. I feel this was your most proudest moment. I was going to ask you, what was your proudest moment uh, in your young career? Is Was it the launch of crisis in Saudi Arabia?
1: Uh, crisis is right now like the most recent thing that's very sentimental and meant a lot to me but in 2012 um the closest thing for me to have that feeling of bringing hollywood back home uh was when um, abu dhabi film festival uh, launched and i was um uh, i was discussing uh potentially bringing the film uh with the emirati uh minister of culture uh nur Mm al-kabi so she reached out and she said we would love to have your movie participate in the festival. But know this, the only reason we want your film to participate in the festival, because your direct, direct link being a Saudi, because we want to support Arab cinema, producing a Hollywood film. Okay. So um, they chose us uh, to bring Arbitrage as the opening film. Mm-hmm. I called uh, Richard Gere and asked him, does, would, he wanna, would, he love, would he love to come to the United Arab Emirates with me? And you know, uh, he's been um, other than the fact that he said yes and he came on the trip and supported me, he's always been um, a mentor to me in that uh, film world. Uh, he always gave me advice. I he sat with me and literally we have a relationship. Like I look at him as an older brother. I would say like my film father, but I like I, he does not like that. <laughs> I wouldn't <think> so. <laughs> but yes, he's been very supportive. We've mm-hmm. traveled the world together. Uh, promoting films. You know, we were in San Sebastian, um, London, New York, L.A. Um, We've also uh, went on, you know, uh, trips that are not film related, just, uh, you know, spent time with his family. Mm -hmm.
0: How important is to have that go to guy almost
1: like a coach or a mentor in Hollywood? Did
0: he really like uh, help you in many
1: ways? Yes, he did. And I've done a few things that I'm not going to mention, which I was not very proud of. And he actually reached out to me. Okay. And I respect that and appreciate that even more than ever today when I remember that he actually called and he cared and he said, you shouldn't do this, you should do that, and guided me. Wow. And later on, I did another movie with him, uh, which is a complete different opposite from his Brioni wearing suits and mm-hmm. being on the cover of Forbes list and Arbitrage, playing Robert Miller. The other film, he plays a homeless guy in New York City in Orrin uh Time Out of Mind. Okay. So, uh, again, we were in New York. We were uh, visiting homeless shelters. Um, I remember we were at the Hoboken Homeless Shelter, and that whole experience working on this film um, was very touching to me, you know? Like, I learned a lot about, you know, the homelessness um, in the United States and how, like, you know, as a homeless person, you're not guaranteed a bed every night, even if you're in a shelter. You have to queue and you have to take a number every single night. So if you come late, then they'll send you to a different shelter and so on. And It Ch- changes that, your perspective on life. Of course energy, it does, yeah. a lot. Yeah. There's another thing I wanted to add also, um, if you let me, is um, basically all my films, uh, which a lot of people don't know that about me, is they all have a social message. So um, arbitrage was the backdrop of the financial crisis, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, than I did at any price, and it's also the backdrop of the farming crisis. Okay, and uh, time out of uh, time out of mind, the homeless homelessness and uh, uh, the homeless crisis, and. Um, 99 homes about the housing Housing crisis. crisis. Yeah. Okay. And then most recently with the crisis, it's about the opiate crisis, and how all those pharmaceutical companies are getting all these approvals from the FDA with things that sedatives that could be dangerous and could kill people who uh, you know use these drugs, Mm -hmm. and how there's a black market around it. And you know, before COVID, it was the second largest death, uh, second largest cause of death in America. Mm -hmm. So. I really love films in the form of entertainment, but I, you know, the movies that I want to produce or be a part of, I want people when they leave those films, they think about it. There's yeah. a social message a behind message. it, so you choose based on the
0: message that the movie portrays. Yes. All right. Yeah. Um, Mo, do you recall anyone advising you against? going there uh, into Hollywood and that scene like growing up besides maybe your parents or you know obviously they want what's best for you but like friends or family anyone saying Mo you, you don't want to go there
1: um, yes <laughs> <laughs> next question no 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 uh, a lot of people uh, a lot of people were not too skeptical when I told them I uh, want to join um, you know like uh, the film uh, world and be a filmmaker mm-hmm. uh, first of all the older generation, whether they're like, you know, family members or not, or extended family, they were like, why do you want to work in films? There's no cinemas in Saudi. Or then later on when you produce a movie and they're like, I went to the cinema, I didn't see your film. I'm like, you know, there's like millions of movies. It's like, basically like, just because they went and your film wasn't in a movie theater that you're a failure. So I had all these like things uh, that were around, but also there was mixed messaging because it's a new thing, uh, especially now, even today in Saudi, it's a new um, profession. Yeah. So, yeah, I had people, who, of course, who were very supportive and um, you know, pushed me uh, to uh, further um, myself and to work you know, on expanding um, my line of work yeah. and to learn more and to be uh, where I am today. And I'm still trying to build um, even more. Uh, but I also had people that ridiculed me and people who attacked me and people who did not think that I was legit or questioned my authenticity. And even today, you know, like um, people would see uh, like even on my social media, you know, like I'm friends with a lot of actors, but I'm also friends with uh, the biggest supermodels in the world. And, you know, we go on these trips, but they don't seem to know that, like, you know, if you're part of that Hollywood world, it's a small cycle and we do protect each other and everybody knows one another. So if you're in, you're in with them, yeah. and they don't understand that. You know, like just because I'm Saudi, they would think otherwise. Uh, they would think those people have an agenda against me. They don't know it's like genuine friendships. Or, you know, if I'm posting like with an actor or this or that, like people all have their different uh, idea of what's yeah. right or wrong or judgment. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I've also been uh, cyberbullied on social media, which like I don't care honestly. Like it's uh, to each to their own, but yeah. you know, that's all it's part business. of exactly. <clears throat> it's all part of um, part of the uh, line that I chose to work good with the bad. Exactly. Yeah. But alhamdulillah, there were more support amazing uh, than um, people who were unsupportive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely. Mo, have you ever felt any barriers in Hollywood by either producers, actors, or directors, but by virtue of you being Saudi and you know, where you're from, have you ever felt that you, know, you were treated unfairly or was it ever the elephant in the room?
1: Okay, Hollywood and the film industry there is quite universal. Okay, It's very cosmopolitan. They're welcome to different ethnicities, minorities, uh, very welcoming. Um, As you see, you know, like most of the films today, even like recently, you know, the Academy members are trying to make them uh, more international. They're adding uh, Asians, uh, Hispanics, uh, Blacks. And it is, you know, like a melting pot. There's people from all over the world. Uh, But yes, of course, you do feel like the elephant in the room. I have like one uh, story that I'll tell you right now that I definitely felt that term that you just mentioned. Uh, We were sitting, we had a production meeting with cast and crew, and obviously I'm not going to mention who said that. But we were all sitting down, and you know, there's all these documents, and you know, there's the crew names, and then my name is obviously there. And um, one of the people in the room was like, "Who is this Mohammed guy? Should be we should should we be worried about him?" And I was sitting right there, and I was like, "That would be me." And sh- this woman just looked at me, and she's like oh, my God, you're normal. I can introduce you to my children. Wow. And my response was straight on. I just was like, oh, I'd love to meet your children. Like, what am I supposed to say? Yeah. But then after that meeting, you know, like, we had, like, a team dinner, and then I went back to my hotel room, and, you know, it hit me later. I was like, what the hell is wrong with this lady? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Did you tell her you're from Saudi Arabia?
1: Yes, yeah, she knows. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm
0: sure you changed the way she thought of Saudis. You know, probably the first Saudi you met.
1: Well, you know, like... <clears throat> My relationship being a Saudi within um, the U.S. or within the international circuit, even at a young age, I remember um, when I used to go to summer camp, uh, whether it was outside Boston or anywhere in the U.S. Uh, you know, Exeter Phillips Academy or Andover or Cushing. When I'd go to those schools, I remember when I used to say I'm from Saudi. People would look at me and they're like, "What state is that in?" I'm like, "It's a different country. It's not part of America." <laughs> you know, and it happened on multiple times. Yeah but then obviously after 9/11 things have changed yeah. and then also the misconception uh, when you would say you're from Saudi they're like oh do you have an oil tank outside your house uh, do you go to school by a camel does your dad have uh, a harem of women yeah. and so on like are you the son of a third marriage yeah. <laughs> and i'm like I've heard them all <laughs> heard them all you know so there's <laughs> all these like different uh, misconceptions yeah yeah um, but that was one thing but i used like, and I'm actually proud of it. I used being a Saudi in Hollywood to my benefit. You know, the term Saudi producer was a new term in Hollywood. And I was like, how can I be more recognized than all those producers that I'm competing with? I'm like, put the Saudi card hat, yeah. okay? It jumps off the page. Exactly, when I, when I arrive to any ev- event, do they want me to be the producer or do they want me to be the Saudi producer? I'm like, no, definitely Saudi producer. So like, I distinguished myself <laughs> from my team yeah. members and I obviously got more noise, and then opened doors. huh? Exactly, it did open doors, but obviously, other than opening doors, there was sometimes um, the opposite narrative, mm-hmm. where you go and you're trying to raise money, and you start speaking to them, but they're like, "But you're Saudi, don't you come from an oil-rich country? Why are you uh, trying to raise uh, money for this film?" I'm like, "That's why am I sitting with this venture capitalist group trying to like, you know, hustle way of getting cash from them?" They're like. They close it down. They're like, you're Saudi. Yeah, yeah.
0: They they have expectations and preconceived notions of what a Saudi guy is. Um, You've, as far as I'm concerned, um, you've paved the way uh, for a Saudi producer entering Hollywood. My guess is that it was a bumpy road for you. Do you think going forward, the road will be a little less bumpier for those who come after you?
1: I'm very happy, honestly, like I've heard uh, quite a lot also by paving the way to a lot of young filmmakers uh, to produce, even to direct, you know, to get into the international circuit of filmmaking. Yeah. And my first moment of realizing that, you know, I, I was a guest at the New York Film Academy. I did a master class um, and the moderator mentioned uh, this was before, obviously, the opening of cinemas here. This was in 2015, 16. Okay. And she told me there was 500 Saudi students in growing. when cinemas were not even allowed. And imagine back then. And I met a bunch of students there who attended. And yeah, there were all sorts of um, Saudi uh, young creatives. Mm-hmm. And it was a wonderful thing to see. And a lot of them have come up to me and it was like one of those most humbling uh, experiences. Mm-hmm. They were like, we see you doing it we feel like we would be able to do it and i like honestly when i got into film i just did it cuz i loved film i didn't i didn't think i'm going to be the token saudi filmmaker or to speak you know like or to be the spokesman of that i did not like you didn't think it'll go there no i didn't know that i would have all these responsibilities but yes, you're the first um I could be the first. I'm sure there is uh, people, but yeah. Not on, not on,
0: not on your profile, like yeah. not, not uh, to the tune of 11 movies. No. There's been a few movies that maybe some Saudis produced here and there. Mm-hmm. But you know, in Google, if you put uh, Saudi film producer, it's going to be you that pops up. Alhamdulillah. So, yeah, and, <laughs> and that's pretty cool because now it's, you've made it okay for the next person to want to go uh, and do that. Speaking of local Saudi directors, a friend of mine, Mahmoud Sabah, he's uh, done a few feature films, Baraka Meets Baraka. Uh, he was telling me he was like he he meant it to he meant it to be a drama a serious, and halfway mid flight it turned into a rom com, and watching it it was filmed in Jeddah I was like man I mean this is uh, Saudi director Saudi producer Saudi actors it's it's not far off the Hollywood quality in terms of mm-hmm. like my retention I was really really enjoying it I don't know if you got a chance to see it but no I've
1: watched uh, Baraka meets Baraka you saw it? yeah so saw it and also the story today with all the changes yeah the social. will care. confuse people who watch the younger generation who did not live yeah. in the 80s or in the 90s in Saudi or the early 2000s and they watch they're like did these rules all apply back then? Yeah, it's literally he did it in a time where it was very different, yeah. and it's quite recent though. Yeah, five six years ago. Yeah, but like yeah. in five six years, look how much changed. So much has yeah. changed. Yeah, yeah. But it was a great film. It, uh, you know, um, it was great that he had a whole Saudi crew, yeah. and uh, there is a lot of Saudi filmmakers um, that I actually like. Like personally, I'm also friends with Heifel Mansour, mm, yeah, who directed the hit Watcher, and Wajda. then ended up directing Hollywood films like Mary Shelley and uh, Nap- oh, wow. the Netflix hit Napoli Ever After. Um, so, and now she's also directing HBO TV shows. Mm-hmm. She was the first Saudi female to be part of the jury members in uh, the Cannes Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Um it's, her, it's It's wow. great. And she's been very busy. She's still filming uh, a lot of films internationally. Mm-hmm. And I always say, uh, say this as a joke because me and her are from Shurgia. So we're like, yeah, you know, the people from Shurgia, we got, uh, we uh, broke, had a breakthrough in Hollywood.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> we're still, you know, we've. We've got uh, Ahad Kamel
1: representing Hijaz, yeah. you know. Ah- the, Ahad Kamel also was and watched sh- as she acted and watched as she was, she was a the teacher. teacher yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I love her on screen. She's really good. Yeah, uh, she's great. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, is the movie business really, really difficult to turn profit? Like what's the likelihood of a movie turning profit in percentage points? Like 50% chance it goes profit or
1: less? No, less. <laughs> Less than 50%. It depends also. Like, you know, they always say movies are a gamble. Mm-hmm. You know, you should produce five movies, two of them are hits, and they'll cover the loss of the, th- the three failures. <laughs> so if a movie hits, it does. You could make a great um, large profit. But if it doesn't, you could also lose your investment and return of investment for your investors. So, Mo, it's there's a work this way. A bunch, because
0: I, I mean, I, I love movies. I wish I knew more about the business. Mm. A bunch of producers get together. Um, they get in touch with the director, with an actor, um, with the writers. They kind of get it all together. And then one of the big studios say, yeah, I want a piece of that. And they put their logo on it and they own the rights to it. Um. I
1: could be so off. <laughs> Not exactly. Mm-hmm. So there are two... Uh, there are two uh, ways of making movies. There's obviously the studio films, you know, which uh, studios have their uh, greenlit scripts and they approach directors and package the deal and get finances through a studio, okay. and those are safe because normally those films are Universal, DreamWorks, Warner Brothers, Big and course. they have like, you know, a worldwide release. Yeah. But then there's the films like that I work on, which I like to call high end independent. Mm-hmm. So we package them. And then what we do, we show the films in festivals, and try to get distribution. And then if the movie is good and we get great reviews, it's a war between the studios trying to buy your movie. Okay, and then um, it's best case scenario. Best case scenario if yeah. you have a good movie. But if
0: you don't have a good movie, it's not the best yeah. case scenario. <laughs> Can studios split? Sometimes I see uh, like New Line and Universal or Lion one of those big boys. Can mm-hmm. movies like own like joint rights to a movie?
1: Yes, absolutely. Like uh, Crisis right now, uh, when we released it. Warner Brothers owns Crisis in Australia. Okay. Um, Universal owns um, Crisis in the UK. By market. Okay. By market. Yeah. Yes. It's interesting. Very yep. interesting. Um,
0: what's your favorite movie of all time?
1: That's a tough one. Uh, I'm a movie buff, so there's a lot of films. But on the top of my head, uh, I will hit you where it hurts. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm not gonna say one film, but I'm gonna say a bunch. Yeah. Like I love movies that I loved uh, watching growing up. Is like a film like The Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm the godfather obviously then i love uh you know like old uh classical movies you know like i love all the westerns like i'm a huge fan of clint eastwood um i inherited that uh, from my dad uh yeah the good the bad the ugly Mm -hmm. unforgiven um and then of course i love his direct uh, director uh direct uh directorate view when he did all the different films from You know, uh, Angelina Jolie's Chang'e to Mm -hmm. Gran Torino to, yeah, he's a great director, Mystic River, incredible. Um, Obviously, I love um, Gone Girl, I love David Fincher, uh, Quentin Tarantino. Uh, I also love Martin Scorsese's Mm -hmm. films, you know, like Casino is one of my favorites. And then I I can talk about film all day, you know, like I love um, even like the Italian classics with with Fellini, La Dolce Vita and that fountain scene. Mm -hmm. And then I love Spanish cinema. Yeah. You know, like Spanish cinema to me is like, I love Pedro Almodovar, I love his movies. I, like um, one of my favorite, like also Mexican films is Ito Mama Tambien, I'm sure you know it. I don't, sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. Look
0: um, you mentioned Spanish movies. That country like really knows how to produce thrillers. All right, it's my favorite genre. So <laughs> recently my brother's wife, uh, my cousin's wife, who's Spanish, said you guys have to watch this movie, it's called The Invisible Guest for two hours and change, and I've got ADD, I just couldn't take my eyes off a movie that was subtitled in English. I I wish I could do foreign movies more, but I don't. Um, I kind of run away from a movie if it's subtitled. But after this movie, The Invisible Guest, I was so locked in for two hours and, and, and 15 minutes that it was. Um, I don't think I looked at the subtitles once. I was just following the movie as it was going. and. Just hit and twist after
1: twist. Have you seen it? The Invisible Guest. No, but I definitely want to see it now. Oh after my you said,
0: God, no, really. Like I was like, the Spanish, you know, move, like the Sp- Spain as a country can really produce some phenomenal thrillers.
1: Spain can produce great films, and obviously now with Netflix and yeah. you're like with the uh, rise of Spanish TV shows with Money Heist and so on. You know, like it's a great time to be. A filmmaker in spain truly truly
0: it brings the world together you know it
1: really does it really does yeah um now now i have an opinion about
0: uh you know something that spain is good at that that i want someone to have that on saudi you know as, mm-hmm. as the directors uh, are up and coming in our country we want to i think it's also a good opportunity to change the narratives and the of, of our country like this is the real saudi look you know look what's happening here you
1: no know, like film is a universal language you know like um it you can do films about Saudi, you know, using all those human elements by showing people more about our culture. I always say like films like Slumdog Millionaire or, you know, like, uh, you know, like even like um, a black cinema, like African-American films like Soul Food or Barbershop. All yeah. those simple stories take you in and teaches they you about do. the culture. And they I feel do. like those can be taken as a, you know, like a benchmark to do films about Saudi in that form. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Um, what about from the 11 or so that you've produced Mm -hmm. if it's not any sensitivity to ask this question do you have one that you favor
1: obviously like i do favor and everybody knows that it's no secret i do favor arbitrage because i have like a special bond with how it started and i always remember this was the film that got me to be on different uh film sets all over the world Mm -hmm. Uh, like, people think being on a film set is glamorous. It's not at all. If you're filming in New York or L.A., it's better. But I've been in areas that I'm sure a lot of people don't know. Like, I've shot in Illinois, in Iowa, in Montreal, in Syracuse. Uh, like, literally in the Rural middle. Rural areas, yeah. Rural area, New Orleans. Oh, God. Okay? The, the beautiful city, though. Beautiful. And great experience. Yeah. And, you know, just, like, teaches you more about the world. I love traveling, you know, and I love going to all sorts of areas, you know, like my favorite, my favorite most recent trip was January 2020 before, you know, the world got locked up with COVID. I was in Kenya yeah. and I enjoyed, you know, being in Africa and just, it's mind blowing. And now even in Saudi, you know, I just uh, was in Al Uda and, you know, before uh, before that I explored also Al Wajh, and uh, I never knew we had all those crazy incredible um uh, uh, you know like archaeological sites and it's unbelievable you know like pr- beautiful caribbean blue seas yeah, yeah, it is that. it yeah. is it's even better yeah and i'm just excited to see right now with all the support that the government is doing yeah. you know how beautiful it's going to be i'm i'm excited to see what yeah. our country is going to look like it's a great moment for us yeah we're really <laughs> investing in that area yep yeah
0: I'm a big fan of Michelle Rodriguez. In 2001, when she shot Fast and Furious, I was just in love, you know? Uh, And I know you guys share a very close friendship. Uh, Question for you is, would you consider her your best friend? Yeah, she is.
1: (laughs) Dating back to what? Early 2000s? We met in 2009, okay? Okay, and in 2010, I reached out to her. Uh, once we were releasing, the Imperials are still alive because uh, the film was sponsored by a mag. Uh, the, the opening was sponsored by a magazine called The Atlantic. And The Atlantic um, loves uh, pushing fem- uh, wo- a female empowerment, yeah. woman empowerment. Yeah. And they wanted a the strong figure to help host the opening. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to her and I asked her, Would you want to co host the opening of this feature that I worked on? And she agreed. Mm-hmm. And I remember like we went both, that was our first moment together in 2010. We were on stage in LA, um, you know, um, presenting the film. And then after that, we just were inseparable. And in 2012, before uh, these changes in Saudi, she flew to Saudi with me. And, uh, you know, we flew to Riyadh's airport and I remember she had to wear abaya and a tarha. And we were just like cracking up jokes and laughing. And um, it was wonderful to see her experience our culture. So her trip was meant to be four days. She was in Saudi for two weeks. Wow. So we were in Riyadh. Uh, We went to the desert back then, like the Thamama Desert. Uh, We went camping. Um, We also uh, met with a lot of family Mm. members and family friends. And then we drove from Riyadh uh, to Khobar, Mm. which is two and a half, three hour drive. And she stayed in my family home and met a lot of different uh, Saudi um, females and males and just enjoyed the food, the culture. And she said Saudis are very loving, reminded her of people from, you know, like her uh, Hispanic background. Yeah. You know, Yeah. Changed her idea of Saudi in the region completely, I'm sure. Completely. She's, she said, like, she always says that. she's like Americans. Um, you know, sometimes can be very ignorant. Like, Mm -hmm. I did not know a lot of things about Saudi. (laughs) And she's very happy that she's visited the country. And, you know, she's been very supportive of me as a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we did this thing for CNBC um, called Game Changers where I participated in an episode It was about me. And she joined and spoke about me. And, you know, it's online, like, to see her you know, say all these like incredible things um as a friend to me was you know like it all it touched a nerve in me, you know, like it made me realize like how of a great friend she is. Yeah. Yeah. And special. You know, she's she wants to come to Saudi. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, you know, by the end of this year or twenty twenty two, like she can finally come and visit Al Uda and come visit Riyadh. And you know, like I've um I've worked um on a project um with a huge team in Saudi that I was brought in um, last minute uh, to help uh, bring in the talent and just work on the event, which was Middle Beast uh, in December. Yes. wow. What and event. Michelle saw the videos and she was like, I really wish I wasn't working this Looked like it was a better music festival than Tomorrowland than Coachella. <laughs> that, She's yeah. like, this is like Coachella on steroids. <laughs> I wish I was there to witness that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like um, hopefully, yeah. you know, soon yeah. I'll have a lot of my friends come and visit. Like I want that. It's something I've always in my nature, you know, in our nature as Arabs. Yeah, we love hosting. Absolutely, hospitality. Yeah. Hospitality. Our, our genes, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah.
0: Hopefully, you know, as COVID. Uh... You know, like even, even
1: being in your, like, I know this is in your house, but I felt like straight away like I'm at home. <laughs> I know, and I'm glad that you did. But
0: honestly, like, um, it's, you're, you're right. We, we really do enjoy hosting. You know, I love mm-hmm. having friends over. It's just in our culture. Yes. And, uh, and even better to have people who have never been to Saudi to come and experience it. You know, of see course. it for yourself and, you know, before you making any judgments. So um,
1: Yeah, for me right now, like, the thing that made me really happy um, with Saudi um, is you know my friends can come and visit obviously pre-covid you know or post-covid you know the e visa thing i never thought like you know like you don't need to call someone and go through a process they can just do it online five minutes five minutes and they're here yeah
0: that was never the case yeah yeah
1: and it's a big by the way that's a big great
0: change that it's an incredible change you know um just the amount of people they're going to be funneling to the country when it was it was a country for the longest time that was misunderstood because no one was allowed in, you know. Of course. But now we're open to the world. It's open like, to the world, like, come see, yeah. you know, resorts or in Al-Ula or in, in, in Abha, they're, they're, they're building uh, like a wildlife reserve up in the mountains. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's nuts up in Sorda. So you have that in the mountains. You have in Al-Ula with the archeological beauty landscape over mm-hmm. there, and then you have like coral bloom in
1: Umluj. So there's a bit of both. It's crazy. Umluj is stunning. And stunning. Stunning. Maldivian. Yeah, they, they've done that. They've invested a lot right now in, you know, like you like fixing a lot of those archaeological sites yeah. and just I don't know. We like I've been going to a lot of those places with also some international guests yeah. and I feel like I'm a tourist in my home country. I'm like <laughs> yeah. this was all here. I never knew this was I'm here. <laughs> yeah. More than them. <laughs> <laughs> Documenting. Yeah. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you're proud. Man. No, I'm very I proud like and I'm them. very happy to yeah. see this. Yeah. Um,
0: as we gear up to 2030, um, and not necessarily film, just in general, what changes would you like to see over the next nine, eight or nine years?
1: Well, I've already been seeing a lot of changes, and I've just this week alone, I was in Al Uda, Riyadh. Um, you know, now in Jeddah, and I'm flying uh, after here back to Khobar. Mm-hmm. Um, all these cities are changing, and. It's an incredible time to witness that they're all changing, um, in the same time everywhere. Um, Things that I didn't I didn't see exist in the past and now are existing. Is you know like even with F and B, like the prime dining experiences in Riyadh. It's like literally the food even here in Jeddah. Like the food uh, business has changed, Changed. and it's wonderful to go out and you know experience all the different restaurants and just you know like have an incredible night out. Uh, other than that, Riyadh, I just went a week ago or two weeks ago to the opening of Noor Riyadh and I saw pieces that I saw in the Guggenheim in New York or the LACMA in L.A. or like the Tate Modern in London. I was just wow. looking at those pieces. I was like, I can't believe I'm in Riyadh. Yeah. And all those pieces are here. Wow. So just the... You know, the investment and the care from the leadership uh, in art, in film, in music Mm -hmm. um, and just the whole cultural aspect is just an incredible thing to witness. You know, the uh, the Film Commission right now is working on different strategies and working on a tax incentive to get all these Hollywood films and international films and Bollywood films to shoot here. And you know they are investing in the youth, getting them to uh, go to like, different learning facilities, workshops, investing in our people. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we're gonna see a bunch of creatives and we're gonna be surprised um, in a wonderful way with the talent that was gonna come out from Saudi.
0: Yeah, something really great is gonna come out of that. Yeah. Yes.
1: They're gonna get a good return from, from that
0: investment. <laughs> well, indeed. Yeah, yeah. exciting times. Someone out there, Mo, that you'd like to meet, dead or alive? I'm going to scratch the artsy part of your brain.
1: Um, it's not going to be an artsy answer. <laughs> Two people that I would love to have met is um, my grandfather from my dad's side. I've never met him and he was a general. And, you know, like I heard stories um, about how he was very efficient and he was like a, le- a real leader. And you know, he uh, was in the same time where Winston Churchill visited Saudi, and all that kind of stuff that I would be interested in to sit down and learn more about. You know, my ancestors and my grandfather, and another person that I would have loved meeting is my grandmother, uh, from my mom's side, who I never met uh, but heard great things about her. Um, and you know, like this, her story alone could be like a Hollywood feature film. Yeah just the fact that you know she was originally syrian and she was kidnapped and brought to saudi at a young age oh wow yeah and then later on met my grandfather and got married and had a wonderful life but her story is just like fascinating it feels like one of those period piece films yeah
0: yeah i'm sure you hear a lot about her through your mom of course yeah um wow Uh, two beautiful answers mo um much better than i what i had in mind i thought (laughs) you were gonna you know yeah.
1: <clears throat> um, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be cocky, but like I did meet a lot of uh, people that they were when I was younger. They were my um, they were my dream uh, people to meet. You know, like obviously being in Saudi, growing up, watching millions of movies, knowing who Richard Gere is, watching all his films from. Pretty Woman to American Gigolo to Primal Fear, you know, and then all of a sudden you're friends with him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's S- another surreal. thing. Yeah. Surreal. Susan Surrounded, another favorite, growing up with her, watching all her films. Then, you know, like um, working with Zach Efron, traveling the world with him uh, at a young age. Um, that was also something I never expected to happen. Um, down to earth guy. I met him yeah in Ibiza one summer. Very yeah. down to earth guy. Yeah, I think was that was that the summer we were all there together. You were with Rade. Yeah, 2012. Yeah, 2012. 2012. yeah. Yeah. So we went to Ibiza twenty twelve. We went again to Ibiza twenty fifteen. <laughs> um, yeah, like the, he he's a very good person and a good friend. I remember in twenty fifteen uh, he was really um, working on back to back projects mm-hmm. and. We're all flying. Me and a few friends to the Mediterranean, and he didn't want to tell me that he was uh, surprising me for my birthday. And I was on the British Airways flight, and I sit down and I look to my right, and he was right there. No and I was way. like, I was like, he's like surprised. Like I booked the same flight. <laughs> and I was like, this is incredible. Wow. Yeah, we nicknamed our um, our trip. You know, like before we were posting on Facebook more yeah, than Instagram yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I remember it was toll which was Trip of a Lifetime. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Amazing, dude, what a yeah. story. Mo, um, well, just
0: to wrap up here before, I, know, I know, you, you know you have a flight to catch, I don't want to keep you here for too long. Um, just advice you know, for someone coming up uh, in, you know, in, in the movie game and wanting to make a, a career out of it as an actor or a director or a producer. What advice do you have for them, you know, from someone like you who's been in the scene for you know, the better part of a decade?
1: If you really want something, <laughs> You have to fight for it. Nothing comes easy. okay? And you have to be very uh, patient. Patience is key. Um, Yeah, I remember multiple times that I wanted something and the doors were not open, Uh, but you just don't like, especially in the entertainment world, don't take anything personal. You know, like if you're a creative and you believe in your passion and you believe this is what you want, you should strive and try hard for it, and fight for it until you get what you want, one way or another. Um, Hustling—I <laughs> don't like the word hustling or hustlers or hustle—but the film industry is a hustle. I get it? Uh, yeah. What about you? Yeah, and you know when people tell you no, you get used to it. You know, yeah. another thing—you've heard your fair share. I heard my fair share of no's. But something that I wish that I did at a younger age um, is no was never in my dictionary. When somebody would ask me for something or anything, I would always be yes, even if I didn't want to do it. And in the past few years, I uh, added no to my dictionary. <laughs> if I don't feel the energy or the vibe whether it's a work deal or stuff I shut something that I don't believe on from the beginning now. Mm-hmm. So if I sit down with you and there's no synergy, it's no straight away, you know? Like I yeah. don't drag things just because I can't say no. Yeah. So I wish I had that sooner mm-hmm. on a personal level on a work level. Like I wish I did that. It would have saved a lot of hassle and a lot of unnecessary problems work and personal wise. Yeah.
0: because we live and learn right your gut doesn't lie you know what you feel is 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 normally the truth of course that's really great advice actually Mo. appreciate it thank you i appreciate you man honestly i you're uh, you represent saudi well um thank we're you proud of uh, what you do and whenever there's an announcement of a upcoming movie of yours i'm I'm always quick me and a bunch of people um we're very quick to wanting to know more about it and, and we watch it and and we love what you do honestly because you know you're breaking the stereotypes you're breaking the narratives you represent us great while, in what Thank you're you. doing um so genuinely from the bottom of my heart i really appreciate it and i appreciate you taking time coming on the show today um you know the podcast is new um you i appreciate you taking a chance on it um and, uh, and sharing your story with me
1: well i've done uh, obviously i know you but i've done my research also i've watched a bunch of your oh, videos yeah. <laughs> and i was okay. like i was like this is great you know like and i honestly think you know your podcast has a huge future, and I thank you. Mom. Really think this is gonna be the start of many great things. No, from the bottom of my heart, I'm uh, like happy to be here.
0: You made made my year, honestly. Have you been, Thank I you. I really appreciate it, more. Um Anything you want to leave us with? Any, uh, uh, any you know, famous famous quotes? Any uh, <laughs> thing you want to put out there before we
1: uh, let you go? Um, no famous quotes. This is quite funny. I use this quote. It's kind of cheesy, but I like it. I use it a lot from. Um, Do you remember the film uh, Meet Joe Black with Anthony Hopkins? Of course, course. yeah, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. So Anthony Hopkins, um, his daughter and him are sitting. And he gives her a piece of advice. He tells her, "Um, you never know, you know, lightning could strike. And I've used that line multiple times. (laughs) <laughs> but I never say it's from me yeah, yeah, I just no, say it it's, like it's me you know <laughs> it's my famous thing um, it's but, good
0: man it keeps people like you know optimistic about the future and all I like that mm-hmm. yeah yeah.
1: but um, yeah I'd love to share this last thing with you Please. Um, is yeah what I'm working on next is um, obviously I'm working on a film and the story came from me During COVID, I got creative and I sat down and came up with this story that I think um, would be a great addition to Saudi and to what I believe in. And I can't reveal much because you know, like we've got a bunch of people signing NDAs and stuff. But I'll just tell you a little bit about you know, like what the story is about. The story is about a young Saudi girl, and she is the hero of my film and. It's a very inspirational story that anybody in the world, whether you're in Utah, Paris, or Saudi, and you're sitting down, you can relate to the struggles this girl relates to. So it's a universal story about a young Saudi girl. And yeah, I hope, you know, like the script turns out the way we want it to. And inshallah, you know, like uh, we can premiere this film somewhere in Saudi and, uh, you know, like have it uh, on a, global scale yeah Uh,
0: got me excited
1: but yeah the other thing that I'll tell you about it's going to have an international cast and a Saudi cast the lead is going to be an unknown uh, Saudi girl pending open casting
0: really amazing dude that's so cool that's different very different. Double yeah. excited now. <laughs> Thanks, Habib. Habib, you know, thank you, you coming, and I hope you enjoyed yourself.
1: No, I did. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed myself here. Thanks for awesome. having me. Uh, thank you. Next thank time you. you're in Hollow, alright? I will for That's sure. Thanks, my brother. Thanks, Thanks. Habib.
0: Cheers. Yeah, yes, bye.